This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance, who is currently surrounded by cat towers because the construction is still going on here in my house. So invaded by them. Um, uh, My co-host today is the amazing Danielle Orsino. And our guest today is Lee Bukowski. Did I say that correctly? Because I realized I probably should have asked. That's okay. Yes, you did. Bukowski. Bukowski. Yay. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy um, to be here. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about what we're drinking. So I, um, as I often say this, I went in my fridge and I found a bottle mm-hmm. of Viking blood mead. What? Viking blood mead. It's very cool. And I had a friend give me two cups. One of them says down the rabbit hole, which is this one. And the other one says I drink and I know things. And I wanted to use that one. But because we've been backing up for the life of me, I cannot find the drink and know things. So instead, we're going down the rabbit hole with my Viking blood mead. Um, Danielle, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm just I'm boring today. I just have my chai latte in my cancer cup. Ooh, ooh, the sands. I like it. Okay, Lee, what are you drinking? Okay, so I have, so my drink of choice is an old-fashioned, but it's a little early, a little early for Lee to start drinking old-fashioned. So I made a a, a weak, smaller one. So I'm going to call it, instead of an old-fashioned, I'm going to call it a middle-aged fashion. Ooh, Not I like that. Nice. Right? I like so, that. Cheers. 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 Oh, I realized I've let this mead be in my fridge for a while, and I think it's gotten more potent. <laughs> just warning everybody in advance of that because I took a sip and it was like lightning down my spine <laughs> okay so Lee for before I get too wasted um what do you write for the audience at large that may not know you I write contemporary fiction um so you know the genres are always a little fuzzy I hear that women's fiction is kind of like we're not supposed to be saying that anymore. I don't know. I, I have to I have to do a little research on that. But I think my work is considered women's fiction, but also contemporary and literary fiction. And so I published my first novel, my debut novel in June. Okay. It is, I happen to have a copy of it right here. It is called A Week of Warm Weather. Um, and yeah, so this is my debut novel, and I'm I'm working on my second one. But so this this one just this is my baby, and it just came out in June. Oh, that is awesome! That is awesome! What a pretty cover! Pretty cover. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Okay, so what? So if that is your debut, um, uh, oh my god, I almost said debut album, debut novel. Yeah, that meat is pretty meat. strong. Yeah, it's doing well. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I never drink ever, right, people? <laughs> Um, so your debut novel, what made you decide to publish a book at this point in your life? You know, it, that is the, that's the question of the day. And I think that um, my answer is, I, I, you know, people always say, did you always want to be a writer? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I always wanted to be a writer, but 
I definitely uh, have always loved books, have loved reading. I've had this, I had the idea for this story in my head for probably 15 years. And I, I think when I finally decided, so I'm also, I'm a recovering English teacher. So I taught seventh grade <laughs> English. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. Right. And so yeah. I taught seventh grade English uh, in my previous lifetime. And, um, you know, I'm not one of those people who can just say, this is my job. It's going to be my job until I drop over dead. So I, there was always kind of this little voice in my ear saying, you know, I loved my job. I really, truly loved it. I believe it's a calling. I loved it. But, you know, there was something else for me. So I kept thinking, you know, I'd really love to write a novel. I'd love to write a novel. But I felt like I didn't really have the training. And, and you know, so I ended up leaving my teaching career, getting a master's degree in creative writing. And then I thought, okay, so now I have some tools in my toolbox. And I was really fortunate because the master's program that I was in, at the end of it, the thesis part of the program was to write the first 30,000 words of a novel, right? So it's like sink or swim, right? Okay. So it really motivated me um, to keep going. So that was in 2017. But to answer your original question, I think when I was younger, my book has a lot of stuff in it that is very sensitive, Okay, it deals with um, abandonment issues, generational trauma, addiction, marriage, you know. Um, and so I think that when so you I wrote was, something very lighthearted to start off, well, like, like, almost as, like a comedy. As the cover suggests, you know, <laughs> see, you see that you see the the sun and the trees, but when you really, if you look up close, you can sort of see how it's like a window and see the cracks here. So you're like, oh, a week of warm weather. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something's going on there. So, I mean, and the book does have, it's about a great family, a fun family, but they've got all this stuff. And so I think that when I was younger, I didn't really have the life experience that was necessary to write a book that tackled the subjects in my book. And, and I really believe that. And I think it is one of the things that kept me from doing it for so long. So I think the combination of, you know, getting the, the the degree, the master's degree in in fiction writing, and but combined with just kind of, you know, sort of effing up a lot in my life and like stumbling through life and making bad choices and, you know, being in bad situations and good situations. But I think it was really the life experience that I needed that. And that's the reason I think if I had tried to write this book in, you know, when I was much younger, I mean, I do lie about my age, but even if I was like in my 30s, I really don't think I had the life experience necessary to treat the subjects in my book with the sort of the weight and the sensitivity that that they deserve. No, that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. So, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Go, go ahead, Danielle. And no, I was going to say, I just think that's fair. And I think it uh, shows growth as well, you know, and maturity to know when you can take on those subjects and write them with uh, sensitivity and wisdom versus jumping into it and being like, heck yeah, you know, I'm 20. Let me talk all about the life experience I have and write it in in a way that people look at it and not take it seriously. So right. to, to have people say, that. well, what is she, what do you know about all this? You know, you're, you're 20 and, and not, that's not to say that young writers don't write. No, great books, of course. But I honestly, you know, as I kind of went through my life and 
experience different things, I thought, I know what I do. I connect with characters in books, right? So I, you know, and we know when we're being bamboozled, right? And and every genre has its thing. But like, if you're writing about something, even though my book does have some humor and it has some lightheartedness, and like I said, it's a fun family, the family owns a diner. So like, you know, diner stuff is all fun. But I still felt exactly that, Danielle, that like, you know, people are going to, there are going to be people going through or having gone through some of the things that I'm writing about. And so I really, um, I, I really got to a point in my life where I felt like I could tackle those things with, you know, with some authenticity. Understood. I think yeah. that's very, very cool. Um, what about, um, uh, you know, you said you were a recovering English teacher and I love that. I know quite <laughs> a few English teachers. I should have one of those medallions or something, right? I, you I mean, should, there should be some sort of like brooch or something. That exactly. Badge of honor. Yeah, like metal. Um, But a lot of people who go into English as a um, career, whether it's teaching English or they end up teaching English because they wanted to be a writer. You didn't start there. You wanted to be a teacher to begin with. Yes, I did. Uh, You know, it's funny. I had um, I think I think when I was going to college, Part of my brain was like, oh, I kind of I'd love to be, you know, a journalist or even a TV journalist. But, you know, it it just didn't seem feasible. I don't know why. I kind of thought, well, that doesn't really seem feasible. But I loved I I just loved English class. I loved writing. I loved reading. And I actually had uh, a teacher who inspired me. She's actually one of my very good friends to this day. We ended up working at the same school. Um, and so I, I, I think I, yes, definitely wanted to be a teacher before I knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, and, and, you know, right. Teaching, teaching is really, um, it, it's really an interesting, like I said, I do, I do think it's a calling, but again, I knew when to get out, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to just be like, you know, I never wanted my kids sitting in the classroom with a teacher who's like counting the number of years till they can collect their pension kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I definitely was like, listen, I did that. I loved it. But then it was time to move on. But but definitely the teaching, the, the wanting to be a teacher definitely came before wanting to be a writer or, or at least knowing that I wanted to be a writer. That makes sense. And then what made you choose the subject matter you chose for your book? So the the book is fiction. However, as most debut authors, I think will tell you, or I don't know about most, maybe you'll, you know, you you do this. So maybe, you know, there are threads of uh, my life and experiences in this book. And so specifically, So I have kind of two, there's a main storyline and then I have two minor storylines. Okay. So some of the book is completely made up and then other parts of it are things that are taken from my life. So, yes. So, you know, specifically something that happened to me in my childhood, um, which is where the generational uh, trauma. So without, you know, I don't know if I, I don't necessarily want to give spoilers because I'd love people to. No, don't book. give. No, don't give. No. spoilers. I'm, yeah. But um, so so, the, you know, and so I think what I think when I went. So, you know, then, you know, you you sort of you go through your life and and, you know, as an adult, I started to 
you know, make some mistakes. <laughs> Maybe everything has gone perfect in your lives. I hope it has. It has not in mine. <laughs> I, I hope it has for the listeners too. Um, again, not my situation. No, nor nor mine. I think nor most people. And so what, what I ended up doing was taking a look at my life and going, why am I getting myself in these situations? You know, like what you know, you know, what is it? What have I not dealt with that maybe is causing me to make some bad choices and and that kind of thing? And so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna incorporate. So I had this idea for the book, and then I it actually came to me as I was writing to incorporate um, you know, this event that affected me so profoundly in my childhood. And I actually was able to work through a lot of it. Um, you know, as I was writing my book, which which was really, really kind of cool for me. Um, and at that point, I was in counseling, which I think everyone should be in counseling, right? I mean, if anyone tells you they shouldn't be in counseling, mm-hmm. they need it the most, right? And counseling right. is good. You know, you take care of your body, you get your physical and you, you know, so definitely you should be cleaning those cobwebs out of your head. Um, and so at that point, I kind of was, so I was exploring some of those things. And then I I realized as I was writing the book, you know what? I think I can really just sort of unpack a lot of this stuff through the writing of this novel. So I merged, I kind of merged those storylines. So the book like follows my protagonist, whose name is Tessa, um, just kind of on this journey where she's, you know, this young wife and mother, and she, it looks like she has it all, but, you know, she, she hits a wall. She, she encounters this awful problem with her husband And so it sets her on this path. And this is where I got the idea, like, you know what, I'm going to bring the whole, you know, from my childhood into this. And so it kind of sets her on this path where she not only has to figure out what the hell's wrong. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, you can say what the fuck. I do it all the time. Okay, so she's got to figure out what the fuck's wrong with him. And then also she's she's thinking, okay, what what am I doing to contribute to, you know, all of this? stuff that I keep getting myself into. Very well, cool. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So now that you've done this, now that you've done book one mm-hmm. and you're working on book two, what is book two? So book two has nothing to do with book one. Um, okay. I, I get a lot of people clamoring for the sequel to book one, not doing it, not going there. Really? Um, yeah, I just feel like the parts of the book that the parts of a week of warm weather that do relate to my own life, I feel like to write the sequel would be maybe telling other people's lives things, you know, that if I were to continue it, you know, authentically, that maybe I would be writing some things that, you know, aren't my story to tell. Um, so I have a whole different idea. My my writing, I always come back to the same thing. I write about family, about relationships, about what is it that you're looking for, you can't seem to get it, and what is standing in your way, and what are you going to do about it? You know, so it's kind of, it's going to be another book where, you know, the, the protagonist is a woman, um, and she is, uh, you know, she's she's looking for something, and she's just trying to figure out how to get it, and she's got a lot of things um, standing in her way. Oh, I'm just right. right now I have the outline and I've started working on, I have the first only chapter or two actually written and they're terrible, but that's okay. Because when you first start writing, it's like, you have to just, you, it's sort of like this vomiting, you know, onto yeah. the keyboard. And then 
then you go back and you go, okay, so this is what I want to, this is where I want to go, but I have to like flesh out my characters and, you know, I have to give it dimension. So I feel like when I feel like writing a novel, at first it's sort of one dimensional because you've just got to like put it out there. But then you have to go back and add the layers and add the personality and add the add the things that are going to make readers actually connect with the character. I feel like women's fiction is very character driven more than plot driven, right? Because we're ta- we're on this journey with this character who is just like hitting wall after wall, you know, so yeah. you get invested. So uh, that's kind of where I am with the second one. I, I've got the I, I know the beginning and I know the end. I have to work on the middle. It's the middle. Yeah. I, I, I like that yeah. um, because I think a lot of us, I, I don't know. I think every author actually has sort of a different journey. Like, can they actually get it started? Yeah. Good. They got it started. They're good to go. But sometimes the getting it started is like the biggest hang up. And then you have the, can I, um, like, what the hell is happening to these characters? I know where I want it to end, but, you know. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and a good a good day of writing is like, oh, you know, you just feel like it's like a B12 shot. You're just like, oh, my God, this is so great. And you're just like almost, you know, not even your feet don't touch the ground. A bad day of writing is like, you know, what am I? Who am I kidding? I can't do this. I need to go sell shoes at Macy's because I have no idea what I'm doing. So, you know, it's it's this kind of like that. <laughs> So after book two, what are your writing goals then? Now that you've started this journey, like where do you want to go? I, I love to keep writing. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I've, as I said, I, I do lie about my age. Um, You can try to look it all up, but I'll deny it. But it's one of those things where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I actually felt like when I was going to write this first book, actually my daughter, I have two daughters and I was talking to my older daughter and I said oh my gosh you know by the time I finish this book you know I'm going to be 50 and she's like mom you're gonna be 50 whether you write this book or not so like just shut your pie hole and write it so and you know it was kind of really good advice because I think we have a tendency to think like okay this is too I'm too old to start a new career I'm too old to start something new um and I and you know and so I think we we all sort of do that but so my goals I just feel like I've met authors who started writing when they were 60 who published their first book when they're 75 who you know so I just feel like this is I I would love to have um a career as a writer I I so you know it's it's hard um so so kind of separate from that I've also joined um I'm part of a group um, it's actually a Facebook group called Bookish Road Trip. Maybe you're familiar yes, with it. Yes, because we've had many of your members on here and we love Fabulous them. group. Fabulous yes. group. So I actually I have just started uh, this year in January as their roadshow host. So I host an interactive panel of authors uh, and, and we have a different theme every month. So you know, so as far as my goals, I'd love to keep writing, but I also love the idea of helping all of us. We help each other. So promoting other authors, you know, meeting authors who will help promote me. Um, it's it's a fabulous community. Writers are, you know, there's not the backstabbing that you have in a lot of businesses. Um, you know, there's not there, none of us is like, I want people to buy my book, but I don't want them to buy her book. You know, we want people to buy everybody's books. And so. Um, I'd love to continue this sort of work, this marketing. And and like I said, I I host this interactive 
uh, panel and, you know, so just kind of see where, where that kind of thing takes me. I'm not afraid to like be on camera or talk to people. As I said, I taught seventh grade, so I'm really not afraid of anyone. So like, you know, I hope not after teaching seventh grade. No, because the audiences are much, 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 you teach seventh grade, you have to worry like nothing's hanging out of your nose or your fly isn't down. Like, you know, it's a much, much friendlier, much friendlier crowd. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, you you mentioned the Book Show. Here's the thing. As a community, we all need to be supportive of each other. Not a single one of us as an author will ever feed a reader enough books. And exactly. so you have to share because I always say this. You, we will never run out of readers who are interested, readers who change genres they like. I mean, I think if we all think back to what we read when we were younger and what we're reading now, I'm not saying there aren't some similarities, but I think we all grow as readers too, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And what and, we want. Know, absolutely. And as an avid reader myself, I'm not going to wake up one day and be like, that's it. I've read enough books. I don't want any more books, you know? So like, I don't, you know, I haven't come across, you know, I've had wonderful mentors and and authors who've who've helped me um and i hope you know my hope is and and actually with my panel i'm i'm able to do that have some people on but you know they're all great you know nobody's kind of like hey i'm going to hold back on the advice because i really don't want you to sell too many books you know um so it is it's great to be part of a community that that is like that because as we know in a lot of businesses there's a lot of competition um, That's true. And if anybody ever does say that to you, I think you should just punch him in the face. Like, <laughs> seriously, if another Agreed. author said, oh, I don't want you to sell, but I would, oh, yeah, I'll have no fury. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I have that not would, met that person yet. I hope I don't. Yeah, no. And I, you know, it's kind of true. Like I tell people all the time that, um, you know, approach your favorite authors, go talk to them. The majority of them are so thrilled to meet fans and stuff like that. Yes. There is a very tiny percent of humans that think they're above their fans, though. Right. And, yeah, not fun. Not Mm. fun when that happens at all. At all. So you're doing women's fiction. What made you choose the genre that you're in versus writing like a romance or a a sci-fi story? Or did you always read that kind of fiction? Yeah, I'm I'm drawn to women's fiction and, and, you know, contemporary book club fiction, I think, is is you know, one of the the terms that certainly my book, a lot of book clubs read my book. And I think it's because of connecting with the characters. I think it's that going on a character's journey with them. As I said, I have had my share of <laughs> mistakes and missteps. Um, and so I, you know, I, I love reading about a character's journey because, you know, I love that kind of like, well, what would I do if I were her or him. And so that's what I'm drawn to. And, and like, even, even in my book, if you would, if you would tell someone in 30 seconds, what's going on in this marriage, if you'd say this woman, she married this guy, he's doing this and that, you know, in 30 seconds, you'd say, well, leave him. The guy's a, the guy's an a-hole. Like, what are you doing? But as we know, life isn't that simple. It's not, it's not, you know, there are lots of things that go into our decisions and my protagonist you know she has a very large family and they're Italian so they're all in each other's business and she's got things that happened in you know to her parents and so that you know she wants to you know she's sort of she's the oldest girl in the Italian family so she's kind of the rock and so she 
you know, everybody sort of depends on her and, and, you know, then she has children. And, and so there's just all these, all these factors that, you know, it's not that easy to just say, well, hey, oh, this is what you should do. It, it, you know, that's a no brainer. And I think that's what, that's what I read a lot. I love authors. I mean, I couldn't, I can name off the top of my head. I can name a lot of women's fiction or contemporary fiction, book club fiction authors. Um, but that's the kind of book that I'm drawn to where it's kind of real people going through real situations, you know, messing up, you know, yeah, trying to trying to stumble through life, doing the best they can, usually, you know, messing up along the way. Um, but, you know, that sort of that, that kind of thing where you're thinking about them after you finish the book and you're kind of like, oh, you know, or, or even as you're going through like, Okay, so here's another reason they're not doing this, or here's another layer to why this is so complicated, you know, because I think that, you know, marriage and family and, you know, especially there's a lot of, you know, mother-child, mother-daughter relationship stuff in my book, and that's all very complex. It's not, it's not easy. And so I, I, I think that I, I write in this genre because it's the genre that not only that I love to read, but I feel like it's the genre that I live. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Hey, listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. So your book got published. What was it like to get it in your hands? To get the, the copy of my book in my hand? Yes. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. It honestly, it's like, I felt like I was pregnant with this book for like seven years and then I gave birth to it. And now I have to figure out how to raise it. <laughs> but it was really, really cool. And I know that sounds juvenile, but it was so cool. Right. When that when the first box of books, you know, shows up and you open it up and you see your your name on there. So um, it it is actually like it's it's just really, really cool because, you know, it's not you think you think, OK, I wrote the book. I'm done. That was oh, that was easy. OK, good. I'll just walk in the bookstores and have, people will just be in there buying millions of copies. Oh, <laughs> not so, you know, it's a oh, they weren't just sitting there lined up. What do you lined mean? up? Yeah, the bookstores were not clamoring to have like a hundred copies each. It's I mean, go figure. I don't know what's wrong with them. How weird um, is that? No, right? So, you know, so I had to learn about the business of it too. Um, so finally getting it because it's years of work, you know, so writing it you know, let alone the noise in my head, let's just say from when I sat down to start actually writing it at the end of my master's program. So it was 2016, finished in 2018-ish, um, wrote to, so I decided, um, you know, so I decided I was going to try the traditional route, right? I thought oh, I'm going okay. to, you know, the big five and they have a thousand imprints. 
Yeah. And I actually have my sister's best friend works in the book publicity business. So she was kind of guiding me. Um, and I said, I'd like to try to do this the traditional way. And so I I sat down and started querying agents. Okay. And I always say, like, if, you, if I don't know if I can really simulate or articulate the experience of writing to these agents. But if you want it, something close would be maybe if you would just get like a cheese grater and shave your head with it. I think that may, maybe the sensation is, is maybe a little bit close to that. Ah, oh, that so it was like. Oh rejection at boom, 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 rejection after rejection. But they were really nice rejections. Some of them were lovely. I mean, some of them, I I wanted to send them flowers. They were just such lovely rejections, but they were no's just the same. But but this friend of my sister said, you know what? You're getting good rejections. If there is such a thing, it wasn't like this is garbage. No one will ever read it kind of rejections. It was like, this is really interesting. It's not for me right now. I'll be interested to see where this ends up, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, they were still rejection. So I thought that you either found an agent with one of these publishing houses or you self-published and you sold books out of the trunk of your car. I had no idea there was anything in between. And then my sister's friend told me about Indie publishing and hybrid publishing. And so I started to research this publishing model. And, you know, she, my sister's friend said, you know, one of the standard bearers in indie publishing is She Writes Press. Um, so if you can, if you can get her to, to take a look at it. Um, so I wrote, I wrote to, to her name's Brooke Warner at She Writes. And I, I wrote to a couple others and a couple of them actually said, hey, yes, we'd like to publish it. But, and I was ready to, I was ready to hit send to, to sign with a different um, hybrid or small indie publisher. And I got an email from Brooke saying, Hey, we, we'd like to, to publish your, your novel. So I was like, oh. so that's who oh. I, that's who I went with. Um, and so it's actually, mine is actually Spark Press. So she has two, they're, they're sister companies. Oh, okay. Um, Yes. And so that's who that's who I went with. And like I said, I knew nothing about indie publishing at all. Um, so it's been it's been a learning curve. It's been a lot of learning and learning the business of, you know, getting a book out there because, you, you know, you finish you, you hit that last, you know, period, the end. And you just think the next day, you know, the band's going to be playing and the parade in the streets and, you know, the confetti. And, and no, 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 no to be done after that. Oh, yeah. No, I agree 1000% on that. You That's know. when the real work begins. You're yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. I, I think you're right. I think it was actually more work finding representation and then, you know, get getting it out there, putting having put it together, you know, the cover, the, the editing, all the, you know, the beta readers and all that kind of thing. I think that was actually even more work than writing the book. Oh, really? I think so. And, and maybe because I really had a really solid idea for this first book. So I kind of, I really knew the story um, and I love to write. And, um, you know, so I, I it, it, it was time consuming. And believe me, as I said, there were days where I was like, what am I doing? But for the most part, um, writing the book was, was, you know, I would say, I would say less work than than getting it out there, finding representation and getting it out there. 
Yeah, no, I can I can see that. I think a lot of people um, run into that and run into like it is daunting, especially if you decide to go traditional, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. It sure. takes a lot of research also to find all the different presses that are out there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that was a full time job. I mean, I and I probably wrote to uh, I, I, I can't swear to it, but I I'm sure I wrote to over 100 agents but you have to research you're right you have to you have to research okay which of them so which imprints are taking women's fiction book club fiction and then it's like well you know they want their you have to query them in exactly the way it's like they almost dare you to to query them it's like you have to we want the letter in this format this many paragraphs and we want a synopsis we don't want a synopsis we want a chapter we don't want a chapter we want comparable titles we don't want you know so it's kind of like Every agent has, yes, and you have to exactly stick to that formula. Then you have to track them because some of them will say, some of them will will tell you either way, but some of them will say, if you don't hear from us by such date, so then you have to kind of, you know, you have to sort of track what, you know, who have you heard from? Then, Then you'll hear from some who say, and I had a bunch of them, which was kind of what kept me going, who was like, all right, I'll bite, give me the first couple chapters or send me the manuscript, you know, so, you know, and then again, you have to keep following up. Um, so it's, and if you don't follow up, they they actually like throw you to the side because you didn't follow up. So your book could have been great. Right. But because you didn't follow that one little step, they threw you away because they don't want to present you to the, the house because they don't know then if you are going to follow through with them. So you still okay. could have had a good manuscript, but because yeah. you missed one little step or on page three, your name was still up in the corner. Because when you have queried with somebody else, you left your name up there, they throw it out. I mean, the gatekeepers, it's ridiculous. They are. They're very, they're, they're very particular. Yep. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize that when they're looking at things is the, how much the onerous is on you as the author to do things versus the agents or whatever there, there are not a lot of agents that are sitting around going, you know, I have a shortage of authors. I should figure out something to do about that. Yes. And that's why they're so willing to just kind of, you know, kick you aside if you don't do everything to the letter. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I think people don't realize also exactly what you just said, the amount of work for the author, um, you know, it, it's not like you just kind of say, oh, good, I got representation. Now you just take it from here and, you know, get it out there. Um, what I found is that, um, you know, so with indie publishing, you pay, the author pays the publisher, as you know. Um, and it's not like, okay, my life is over kind of money, but it's also not nothing. Um, so, you know, you, you're, you've got, you've got skin in the game, but what I found was that the, um, the publicity, I, I really thought long and hard about where to spend money. Cause I always like to say, I, I, I think my new favorite line, I, I say, I think I figured out how to make a small fortune publishing a book. You start with a large fortune. <laughs> I love that. Unfortunately, that's true. Right. Yep. But I honestly think, and, you know, so you might say, really, was it worth it? Because have you made your money back yet? The answer is no. But, Mm -hmm. you know, your book is not a quart of milk. It's not going to expire. 
So for me, I was never on social media because I was a teacher. And so, of course, that was discouraged. So I really didn't have a social media presence. So I could sell 100 books, but I didn't want to sell 100 books. I wanted to sell lots of books. So I hired uh, the in-house publicity team for She Writes. And it's expensive, but they have very far reaching tentacles and, you know, they worked very hard and they got me, you know, they got me spots on shows and podcasts and, you know, they had, you know, I was wrote guest posts and blogs for different publications. They get, they, you know, they get it in nationally syndicated publications. So, you know, things that I would have never, ever had um, access to. Now, does that translate to sales? Well, we'll see, you know, the book just came out in June you know, hope springs eternal. But, you know, again, that's why the, the bookish road trip is so great because there, that's where, you know, at some point I'm like, okay, I have saturated my social media with this book. Like, I think when my social media friends see this book cover, they want to throw up all over their shoes because they're like, okay, already we bought the book. We get it. We know about the book. Shut up about the book. So, I needed to bother more people. So I figured what better way to do that than to join a Facebook uh, marketing group for readers and writers and travelers. And so that, you know, that's been really great because that, you know, again, that's that sort of that those tentacles that I, you know, that I don't have, um, you know, that can just kind of keep the keep the conversation alive until I can till I can give birth to my next book. Um, I, th- I love that. I, I you know, it's it's. Every author has to find the right journey for themselves. So if, and I will say this, you know, I often talk about not spending money to publish your book, but sometimes, especially in certain circumstances, that's where you have to go in order to do that. You're going to spend the money somewhere. Sometimes you can find a publisher, but it also has to be the right fit and what you're comfortable with. Do not spend the money on things if you don't have the money or you're not comfortable with that process. Right. Because then that's not fair. And you don't have to spend the money to get your book published. It just different situations, you know, warrant different things, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and uh, I'm asked to speak at groups sometimes. And that's one of the things that I always because there are always some aspiring writers in the crowd, you know. And so when they say, oh, I, I want to be a writer first, I say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, I always tell them, listen, you have to know what your publishing goals are because my publishing goals might not be yours. And so I, I can tell you what I did and I can tell you why I, I did what I did. I can tell you what I would do the same next time or differently next time, but I can't tell you what your publishing goals are. So you have to kind of, you have to figure that out and then do the research to figure out what path and what publishing model and so forth is right for you. Cause you're so right. It's different. It's different for everyone. Yeah. No, I think that's very true. But let's talk about reviews for a moment. So you had publishers, uh, publicists and PR people helping you. Um, what if you're, are you a review reader? Do my own reviews. Mm. Do you read yes. your reviews? Yes. Yes. So reviews are so important. And I, another thing I did not realize. Um, so I harangue everyone. No, I don't. I don't harangue. All right. I harangue. I, I say, you know, I was going to say, I can guarantee you harangue. Yeah. yeah. Do you think I harangue? Do, do I seem like a you harangue? have the look of a harangue on you? Yeah, I can, <laughs> you are an English harangue. teacher. Of course you harangue. I yeah, can harangue I was... the best of them. <laughs> but, you know, it's so important because, again, you know, I didn't understand. I always say my new best friend, Al, Algorithm. I had no idea about this stuff, you know. 
Um, And I never was one to review products, but now I do. I review products only positively though. I never write bad reviews. Now, I I shouldn't say that. I haven't ever written a bad review. I would, but it would have to be such, it would have to be such a circumstance where like someone was actually harmed for me to, you know, like I'm not going to be the person who goes to the restaurant that's normally very good, but you get one soggy asparagus spear and then you go on and you trash the restaurant. Like I'm not that person. And I never write a bad book review. If I did not like a book, I would not review it. But I do read my reviews. Now, in the beginning, in June, of course, you read every one, you know, you, you know, um, and now, um, it, you know, of course, it, things have slowed down. I was so happy a few months ago, I hit 100 reviews, which was really exciting. Um, but, you you know, other authors have told me, stay off of Goodreads, stay off of like, don't, don't read the reviews. But I do read them, um, you know, but, but the thing of it is, I've gotten only one or two like one or two star reviews. And those are the ones, they're the ones that get you. Like, I want to call the person and be like, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I will say though. You are also a seventh grade English teacher. Your skin is a little thicker than most, right? I am quite sure no matter how great of a teacher you are, you have had um, many uh, fun conversations with your students who are in different places, right? Especially yeah. come grading time or yeah. I don't know, plagiarism time. Maybe the parents. Yeah. The parents, Ex- yes. parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, reviews are important, but reviews are actually for readers, not necessarily the author. I know. And that's why my author friends say just don't even read them. Yeah. I had yeah. one one review where the person said, and this one stuck with me. And the person said, this author obviously only has a lifetime mu- lifetime movie experience with like addiction and abandonment. And I wanted to say, oh, but you're so wrong. I actually have very real life experience with some of these things. And, and so, you know, what that told me was obviously to that person, you know, I did not come across as authentic. But, you know, that's the one that's why they tell you not to read them, because it doesn't that's the one that sticks in my head. All the glowing ones. I love them and I'm so grateful for them. But, you know, those are the ones that those are the ones that stick in your head. But you have to you do have to have thick skin. You have to have very thick skin. Madonna said something like that, too, though. She said something like if if the record execs were in the front row and there's a hundred of them, she said they're smiling, they're cheering, they're clapping. She goes, I remember the one who's sitting there with a scowl on his face. She's Isn't like, it's happened true? before. It's so She's true. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And you'll, ne- you know, you'll, I hate to say this, but um, you'll never know what that person's actually thinking versus yeah, what, what their said. life is. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you don't know maybe what they've gone through and maybe something in the book kind of landed wrong with them, them which, you know, Obviously, I don't I don't ever want that, but I can't control that. You know, I can't control that. So. No, it's true. Um, What about you? Do you write reviews for books? I do all the time. Will you give a low star review? No, no. What's the lowest you will go to? Four, four stars. Four stars, the lowest? Four is the lowest, because if I'm not going to give it now, you know, if a person asks me to read and review their book, which I've had happen. Thank goodness. I have liked 
those books um, because I I just won't I won't do it. I, I just know I just know what it takes to just sit down and r- pour your heart out and write a book and get it to the point where someone is reviewing it. And again, before I would write a bad review, I just won't I won't I won't review it. I, I just won't do it. Oh, that's nice of you. I am trying to get to heaven. So I, maybe that, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's going to get me one step closer. But I just, you know, I, I and the other thing that I've, I've really come to understand, um, especially meeting and getting to know what, whether, you know, meeting virtually or, as I've said, meeting some in person I, I all I when I'm reading someone's writing, I I can see the blood, sweat, and tears in the writing, mm-hmm. you know. And it would have to be really bad for me to to give it a, a low review. Which you know, I mean, I've had books and I read constantly. There's never a time where I'm not reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always, you know, I'm I'm always reading. I'm constantly, you know, I, I but I can I can hear the person's voice. And it might not be exactly the way I write, you know, but, but that's, that's them. And so, you know, if it's a good story, if I can connect with it, I have, my mom and I trade books a lot and we like a lot of the same books and my mom will never not finish a book. Oh, see, I I learned a while ago to to get that time of my life back. Yeah, because there are too many books that I want to read. But she's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to give it a chance. I think that it's going to get better. I'm like, mom, it's not going to get better. And she'll she'll kvetch about it through the entire book, but she won't not read it. But she'll say to me, I'm not even giving this one to you because I know you're not going to like it, but she'll finish it. But I've learned that I my I have too many books that I want to read that to read a book that I don't like. But again, I would never ever r- go on any of the platforms and trash it or give it a low review. I won't do that. I'll just stop reading it, you know, donate it or whatever, and move on. I I won't I won't do it. I won't write a I won't write a bad review. What about were these people that are asking you to do a review? As I said, fortunately, those people I have liked their books. So I could genuinely give them, uh, you know, a, 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 a good review. And it's so flattering. I just one of my um, one of my uh, colleagues who actually published her first book exactly a year before mine with She Writes is now with a small press. And um, she has asked me to read to be one of her early readers and write a review. And it's just I mean, to me, it, it's so flattering that somebody would even, you know, want me to do that. Um, and, and I, you know, I've been asked to write a blurb, uh, you know, which again, that's like, that's the highest praise to me that another author would want me to write a blurb because you ask people, when you ask someone to write a blurb for you, you're really on bended knee, right? Cause like people are busy. These authors are so busy. And so you're basically saying, can you take time out of your life? Not only read this book, but then write a blurb that, that I want, that I actually want to be on, you know, the back of my book. Um, and so, you know, and that's the other thing I've had a few authors reach out and say, Hey, if you write another book, I'll write a blurb for you. And again, I mean, to me, that is like, you know, that's like Billy Joel telling you, you're a great piano player. I mean, it's like, you know, it's so, I just am so honored, but I'm so humbled by it. Um, and so that is why I just will not ever, I just will not write a bad review. I won't no, and I, I don't think you should necessarily ever write a bad review, but I do think that if there's a problem with the book, it's not, if you don't like it, it's not your cup of tea. Absolutely. Just 
put it on the shelf, put it in a freebie library, you know, whatever, right. because it might be somebody else's cup of tea. It right. probably is. Right. But if there's something wrong with the book, like their editing is off or you find a bunch of errors. And by the way, everybody who's listening, you're going to find errors in a book. No matter what you do, no matter how many times it's proofread, there will be errors. Um, but if you find a, a large quantity or something, you, I would reach out to the author. And yeah, go, I was hey. just going to say, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think if that were the case, because I would think if that's the case, I would almost think, it's self-published. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but because, you know, I think editors will catch that kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but if it's, no, if it's riddled with errors, I think I would reach out to the author. Yeah. And say, you know, Hey, this is, I, I can't in good conscience recommend, highly recommend this because of this, you know, maybe the story is good, but if it's riddled with, especially, like I said, I am in recovery, but I am an English teacher, you know, so like, I can't, that's something for me that, that's an if I and I don't know if you if you read my book and find an error, please let me know because I've read it 10,000 times and had other people look at it. And that's like a dagger to the heart for me. And you're going to find, like you said, you're going to find a period missing or a word missing or a misplaced comma. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something with tons of errors. But 100 percent, I agree with you. I would reach out to the author in that case and let them know why I can't in good conscience, you know, give it give it a, a good review. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think that's the right thing to do. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Ready for okay. the rapid fire questions? As ready as I'm going to be. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> what is your favorite book of all time? Well, I can tell you one. Okay. Which is The Book Thief. Okay. Why? You know, it was just one of those ones that stayed with me long after I finished it. And I will tell you, it is one of only two or three books I've ever reread. And I think the other ones are probably my also, if I could say three favorite books. So that yeah. one, Fortune's Rocks by Anita Shreve. I don't know if you remember that from years ago. No. Loved that one. Um, and then also John Grisham's A Time to Kill is up there at the very top of my favorite book. Those are the three books I've reread. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I would have to say, I mean, I could list, I mean, I could list a hundred books that I love, 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 love. But if I have to give a favorite or two, I would say those. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. What about your least favorite books? I started reading, okay, she's dead. So I think it's all right. I started reading... Harper Lee's. Okay, so um, as I, I'm a recovering English teacher, so To Kill a Mockingbird, great. Got the Go Set a Watchman. I couldn't. I couldn't get past the first. I don't know, thirty pages. It was terrible, and oh. so I just didn't. I didn't finish it. If I'm allowed to say that, um, mm -hmm. just couldn't. Couldn't get through it, and and I think I was just so disappointed because it's like you know, was the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. So I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Maybe someone else thought it was great. I did not. I hated it. Sorry. Not sorry. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird? No, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I hated Go Set a Watchman. Okay, good. I was like, yeah. I love To Kill a Mockingbird. No. Let's not did get you... in a fight in the beginning of this podcast. No, 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 no. Did you did you read Go Set a Watchman? No. Don't bother. I mean, <laughs> no, maybe you'll like it. 
you know, maybe you'll like yeah. it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Did you read it, Danielle? No, I, I can't go back anymore. I just, English yeah. really scarred me. I had to read Johnny Tremaine. It does that. Oh, it does that. Yeah, you poor thing. Yeah. It does that. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. We already had the Johnny Tremaine discussion. I just can't. Yeah. No, yeah, sure, true. Okay. What about if you are going to cast your book, you need to tell us a couple characters and who would you cast in those roles? Oh my gosh. This is the one that always gets me because I don't know the names of the younger. I know who they are. Like I can say the girl that was in that. Okay. So my, so protagonist, my protagonist, Tessa is around 30. Okay. So I love, so who's the, all right, who's the girl who was in, oh, I think I know her name. Is it Shailene Woodley who was in uh, The Fault of Our Stars? In what? Fault of Our Stars, yes. Yep, she yeah. was in that. I love her. I also love, um, oh, see, my daughter's going to yell at me. Um, Emma, 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 Emma. Watson? Bingo. Um, Watson, yeah. yeah. Watson, yes. I just said um, Thompson, wrong Emma. <laughs> That's the, so the parents in my book are really colorful. They're main characters and they are very colorful. And so I'd love to see, you now they're Italian, but anybody can get, you know, so of course, when I was growing up, I, you know, I loved Julia Roberts. I loved, you know, so the big ones, of course, you always want to see the big names um, as your main characters, but I always loved, um, and I think he's too old now, but I always loved Andy Garcia and Nicholas oh, yeah. Cage. So I'd love to see someone in that vein as like the oh, parent. Nicholas Cage could still do it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I think like he can still Nicholas do it. Cage can do anything. So he can look, yeah. you know, he can kind of look like he's, you know, older or younger. So the other, um, so Tessa's husband, um, and again, I, I'm bad with the names of the younger act. My, my Both my daughters are going to yell at me when I tell them you asked me this question. So again, he's like, you know, 30 to 35-ish. Um, so it'd have to be somebody, you know, he is handsome, dark hair. Um, oh, I, I, I can't, I, I know I would know them to see them, but I don't, I, I don't know the names of the young, I don't know the names of the 30 something male actors. I failed at this question. Do you have one of those buttons you can hit like, eh, I should get one of those buttons. Yeah. Danielle, oh, make a note. I need a button. Need button. A button. Got yeah. it. Check. Do you know any, so can you think of like somebody who in that age group, who's just kind of very, um, so very charming, but like has kind of a really other side to him. Ken Badgley or or the, yeah. What about the, yeah. Like one of those guys, like one of the gossip girl guys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're we're casting the movie for her. We're just going to put people in We got it. I'm going to have to pay you. So get. Have your people call my people because I'm getting. I got it. Don't it. worry about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll just grab from the CW or something. It'll all be good. <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll nail it. Okay. Did you have your book? Is your book an audio book? Not yet. And that's the next one of the next things that I need to work on. Right now, it's it's paperback and Kindle. Um, but I'm going to. I have that's on my list of. I have a, a call coming up this spring uh, with an author who's going to. Um, tell me everything I need to know about having my book made into an audiobook because a lot of people ask me that. Well, audiobooks are really, really popular. So yeah. I love them. Yeah, yeah, I love the audiobooks. I think that's, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the trick is finding, like, I hate my voice. So I think, I don't know that I would want to be the. Oh, no, get, get a narrator. No, no. Yeah. And not only that, unless you've done this, 
you you don't want to do this. It's a lot of work. I would not want to do that. No. No. If you wrote a memoir, yes, you need to record it. If you wrote the memoir, because it's your voice, it's your story, right? If if you're writing a biography, that kind of thing. Other than that, leave it to a professional. Leave it to a professional. Yes. Yep. I'm big fan, big fan of leaving it to a professional. I'm okay. Um, what is your favorite weird food combination? My favorite weird food combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when you eat it, people go, "That's weird." Or what are you eating? Hmm. Wow, you got me. Let's see. Um, see, I, I'm a very creative eater because I have celiac disease. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. Yep, I have it. You do? It sucks. Yes. Doesn't it suck? So I have to be very creative. So like I'm the person who has to do like the cheeseburger on the lettuce because I can't eat the roll. Um, so it's not that I really like weird combinations of things. It's kind of like I'm forced to be innovative. And, you know, so I don't know if there's anything that a combination of something I eat that people would say is weird. I don't know. I think, I feel like I could put peanut butter on almost anything and get away with it, but. hmm. Not a snack or something that you eat, like that you put, we can skip and go. What about. um, We need the button. Yeah. Yeah, I I need need the button. button. Get the button, Danielle. Obviously. I got to get. All right. I'm working on the button. Get the button resolved. Cause this, this show I've needed two buttons. I know Um, already. Already. I'm not a weird snacker. I have to think about that. I mean. Ooh. Okay, we'll come back to that. We'll come back. To that. What about your favorite ice cream flavor? Are you ready for this? I don't mm-hmm. know because we didn't get an answer on the last one, so maybe not. Maybe this I is it. I don't. I actually don't think you're ready for this, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay it on you. Vanilla. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. I know. You rebel. I know. Right. Right. And I'm so like. I, I feel like I'm this, you know, adventurous kind of person. But then when it comes to ice cream, vanilla. Like vanilla. And I always get that. Do you want this on it? Do you want that? No, I just vanilla. want vanilla. I will tell you a fun story. I was in California visiting a friend and we were in Sausalito and we were getting ice cream. And everywhere we went, there was vanilla bean. And I'm like, I don't want vanilla bean. I just want plain vanilla. vanilla. I don't want to see those little black specks in my ice cream. So we had to walk to several different ice cream shops before I would agree to eat the plain vanilla ice cream. Oh, well, oh, wow. Okay, picky eater. Picky eater. <laughs> maybe maybe, this, I was maybe say, this is why I don't have an adventurous weird snack. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's no. my, maybe that's my weird snack. When everybody else is getting like all sorts of fun ice cream flavors and two and three different kinds into the same like cup, vanilla. which grosses me out, I want plain vanilla. But I do drink bourbon. Do I get any points for that at all? Nothing? No. 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 She's okay. drinking mead. That, that's drinking true. Mead. Yeah. Yeah. Mead. Okay. You're right. Um, yeah. Okay. You so um, what is your favorite uh, book to movie or TV show where you think they did a really good job with it? My favorite book to movie or TV. Oh, I think I, this one, I think I can give you a good answer for this one. Okay. Um, I know, aren't you? Aren't you glad? I'm I'm holding um, my breath to see if it's a good answer, but yes, I'm excited if it is. 
So I I love A Time to Kill. I love the movie version of A Time to Kill. So it's one of my favorite books made into one of my favorite movies. And often I'm disappointed, you know, because you have these this idea in your head of what characters are going to look like. Matthew McConaughey's closing, Matthew McConaughey's courtroom, his closing in the courtroom in that movie. And also um, Samuel L. Jackson as as the person who is the person who's accused of, of, of the killing, they there are some of their exchanges. It is so well cast that I mean, it is one of those things where I always think books are better than movies, but it was so well cast and so well done that I think the movie is actually, if not as good, then almost as good as the book. And I never say that. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Right. What about where they went horribly wrong? So I love you, Kristen Hanna, with all my heart and soul, but I'm very confused by the whole Firefly Lane thing. Are you watching Firefly Lane? I have watched Firefly Lane, but I didn't read the book. So like, I'm enjoying the crap out of it because I didn't read the book. Okay. If you read the book, it's so confusing because I love the book and I love Kristen Hanna. I love everything she writes. Uh, But the, the, when they did the, the, well, it's actually not even a movie, but I guess you're asking, that's the same thing you're asking. So it's the Netflix series. They've gone way beyond the book. It doesn't, it doesn't stick to the book the, the way I wished it would. And now it's gone sort of beyond the book almost. And some of it is like before. So I get that. That's fine. But it's just gone so off the rails that I think I'm just like, did I read this book? Like, where did all this come from? I love the characters. I do love the characters. Um, but I think you're right. If I hadn't, if I hadn't read the book, I think I would love it more. But yeah, it just, I, I feel like, you know, when you're watching something and you read the book and you're getting like frustrated by it, I feel like that's not really a good thing. So well, I think though, um, you know, in a previous co-host with, you know, a previous person who co-hosted with me said this, and I thought it was kind of brilliant is you have to treat the books. uh, I mean, sorry, the movie or TV show adaptations, almost like they're fan fiction of the book. Yeah. And not the book, because a lot of times, a lot of the stuff we love about a book um, has to do with exposition. Yeah. And you can't put that much exposition mm-hmm. into a script. As a script writer, yeah. I can tell you, you don't get that mm-hmm. much exposition in the book. In the book. So yeah. when you're explaining something, and if you start, and now that I'm going to say this, you'll probably start noticing it, is in um, movies and TV shows, they don't do a lot of, you generally, back history as to why we're where we're at. Like, the last of us, which is a TV show that's on right now, based on a video game that's based on a zombie virus that has to do with plants, um, believe it or not, um, is doing a very good job of going to backstories, but that's kind of the way the video game is written. Like it goes into like turns to a scene as to why this is the way it is. Right. But generally what you get is, yeah, it's really dumb that she broke up with Mark last week. Now, in the book, there's a whole thing about her breaking up with Mark last week, right? And the whole breakup and all that. But that's not needed for the movie. So you get one line 
about breaking up with Mark. And then when Mark shows up or has shown up, he's an ex. Like that's all you get to explain that. Yeah. So I think that's why I think that's why I'm always a little like, if it's a book I loved and it's being made into a movie, I'm always a little stressed out by it because, you know, um, I always I I always assume I'm going to be disappointed. And maybe that's just because I love books much more than I love movies. Well, and they're they're different forms of art. I mean, the truth is, is that, you know, I hear a lot of people that say like Jurassic Park was one of the best books to movies. And I'm like, it's not even the same book. The book is an adult book. Like that movie would have been rated R had they actually followed the damn book, right? And what was (laughs) happening. But they made it into a kid's movie. Now kids love the freaking dinosaurs. So you, you have to go, okay, this is going to be a different medium. And they're never going to get all of the story right. in it because even just page wise, they don't have a lot of it. Right. And a lot of times they have to meld characters because yep. there's not, again, exposition. There's not a lot of time to meet all five of her best friends. So now she has one best friend and it's an amalgamation of the five best friends, you know? Yes. And I did, I did love, um, I did love Big Little Lies also. Um, and to just to, bring one more in the present. I know a time to kill is like whatever, how many years ago, but um, I love, well, I love Lyanne Moriarty, but I I think that I did love Big Little Lies. And again, it was a series, not just a movie. Um, but I, exa- as you're, as you're saying what you're saying, I'm remembering exactly things from the book that had to be either sped up or shortened, or, you know, as you said, you have to kind of maybe glom together some characters but it's what you have to do to, to make it, you know, to make that leap. Um, but I also thought that one was very, very good. Yeah. I don't, I haven't read nine perfect strangers. I want to read that because I watched that and I thought mm-hmm. that was actually pretty brilliant recently. Yeah, that was, that one was one of my least favorite Lion Moriarty books and I still loved it, which tells you how much I love her. Um, you know, it was different and obviously she's a creative genius. So she's allowed to do something different. I think you just get into this thing where you're like, this is what I expect from her. Um, it was my least favorite book and I still loved it. I did want the, I thought the, it was so weird that the, I think when you read, if you read the book, the movie is more, or the series, I guess it was, is much more um, sort of otherworldly um, than the book. I thought, I thought. But what do you think me. of the characters? Do you think they did justice to the characters in the book? I, I thought it was very well cast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love yeah, how cast. good was Nicole Kidman. I mean, she's just so good. Oh my gosh. And she was in Big Little Lies. I mean, she's just so good. She's fantastic. Um, plus, she seems like she has fun. Okay. Danielle, ask some questions. <laughs> Wait, can I can I go back to the snack one? Is this weird? <laughs> it's your podcast. Go ahead. You, know, you have you have very low expectations for me now. So I do. How so about- <laughs> about pretzels in vanilla ice cream is that weird okay so i like ice cream that has things like pretzels and potatoes okay, i like the crunch yeah and I, potato I, chips. I, I was gonna say potato chips in in vanilla ice cream also so maybe yeah I don't know. i'm a big fan of potato chips and pretzels if they're done right not too soggy so i don't know how they manage that but i do enjoy right. the crunchy salty part of see I can't I can't buy the ice cream that has the pretzels in it because they have the gluten gluten in them so I use it as an emulsifier 
Right. So I have to put my own pretzels in the vanilla ice cream. I'm, I'm a lot of fun to invite to dinner. So you may want to do that sometime. I've had Danielle for dinner. Don't worry. I'm, I'm prepared. You're prepared. I'm, prepared. I'm like, good. She's Here is lettuce. Here's there the menu. This is what we're having for dinner. <laughs> and so, no, you just have to learn to be creative. It's not that hard. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think a lot of people have different food things. It's, it's definitely finding places that somebody can can eat. Yeah. But I also introduced Danielle to Sonic. So I am what could be used as a bad example for most people. Yeah. So Sonic is not where you're going to go if you have celiac. Yeah. Tater tots. Love tater tots. Oh, they have, that's right. We can eat tater tots. All right. Love that. Love yeah. That. It was good. Yeah. So we she were had good. a good we were time fine. with the tots. So, okay. Yep. Um, Danielle, ask some questions, though. Yeah, I got one. Um, Okay, so when you when you were teaching in the previous life, were there any books that you knew you gave your students and you were just like, oh, this is going to be horrible? Was there anyone that you were teach? just like, yeah, sorry about that? Yeah, that you had to teach and you knew they had to read that you were just kind of like, sorry, kids. Okay, so this is this is I have a great answer to this question. So when I was first hired, they had these um, after school clubs. And because I was the new hire, I got like, you know, the, I was like the bottom of the totem pole. So, oh, you English teacher. Okay, here you go. So I had a group of students and we had to read Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I I didn't understand the book at all. I, I love Ray Bradbury. It was Ray Bradbury, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, although I like a lot of the Ray Bradbury short stories, which I taught. So I'm like, okay, this is great. Um, I'm here up, I'm up here in my big girl clothes. I'm teaching English. I'm after school. I'm going to read this book and we're going to, I'm going to come up with fun activities for these kids. So I'm at home reading the book and I'm like, shit, I don't even understand. I have no idea what this book is about. So I was in such a panic because I was a new teacher. So I had so much other work to do. And I had to read all the other literature before, you know, before the kids did. So I went into this club and I assigned chapters and I had the kids do like story arcs and things because I didn't understand the book. So I was hoping that by giving them activities to do, they could tell me what the hell the book was about. Because I had to this day, I don't have any idea what that book is about. And I was like, why am I, why am I doing this to them? And even some of them were saying, I don't really understand this book. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm sure as we're, cause I couldn't answer their questions <laughs> because I didn't. As you get older, it. there'll be a metaphor. Like yeah. That. I'm just like, oh, you know, and try to, you know, and it was, it was horrifying. I, I was dying a thousand deaths every time I walked into that classroom and had to face those kids. Cause you know, you always have the one or two like really smart kids in there who you think mm -hmm. like they're waiting to to catch you. And I'm like, they're going to call me out. They're going to like go to the principal and say, she's a fraud. Like she's teaching us this book and she has no idea what it's about. Thankfully, I, I managed to get through that. But that was the one that I was like, I can't believe I'm assigning this book when I A, hate it and B, have no idea what it's about. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Something wicked this way comes. Yep. And then I think they made it into, wasn't it a movie? It could be. There was, yeah, there were two remakes. I remember there was one way back, and then I think they redid it again. 
I don't know if they do. Yeah, and I think I watched a movie. few minutes of it and was like, it was stressing me out so bad. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't go back there. So yeah. What about the classics? What is a book? Because we don't, you know, I've yeah. never asked this for an English teacher. Like, what is a book that, that was on the required reading that you were like, I really wish they'd take this off. It never goes well. Yeah. As far as classics, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt like, I felt like at least in my district, I, I kind of liked, you know, we, we stuck to things, you know, Dickens and um, one the uh, Melville, what's the um, Moby Dick? Like, why, yeah. why, why, why are we doing this? You know? And, and that was one that was just like, you know, and it's a long one. So that's the other problem with that particular book. It is forever to read this stupid book about this man chasing this whale, which is not even what the book's really about. No, no. And, and, you know, um, you know, to go way back, you know, we, and, you know, of course they taught Shakespeare in the high schools. That's fine. Introduce the kids to it. You have to, you understand Mm -hmm. there was a really great course on like modern movies that were kind of not remakes, but could be Shakespearean plays. Mm -hmm you know, sort of, hey, this is, but I never understood, like, they would make the kids memorize, like, soliloquies and things like that, like, why, why, like, what is it, I, I don't, you know, I just really got to a point where I, 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 I feel like the kids, like, if I don't see meaning in it, um, now, I taught, I was very lucky, in, in seventh grade, I taught the outsiders, which is such oh. a book. love that, such a great book, and the kids loved it, in fact, my biggest problem, because I taught the honors kids, my biggest problem was having them not read so far ahead that they would spoil, that they would give the spoiler alerts. Like I would threaten them, like they'd come in and go, Johnny dies. And I'm like, be quiet. We're not at that point yet, you know? Um, so I love that. And then um, in eighth grade, when I taught eighth grade, I taught Animal Farm. And, you know, it, Orwell, I, I actually really liked that book as well. And the kids liked it too. As soon as they kind of gave themselves over to the idea that, it, it, you know, this is an allegory. This is, it's actually mm-hmm. a, a metaphor. You know, the pigs aren't really alive and running the country. You know, it's a metaphor mm-hmm. for, you know, what a dictatorship looks like and what, you know, what happens under that type of regime. And once they kind of understood that, they really liked it. It's so different from the outsiders, but I w- I always felt very fortunate in the, that the novels that I taught were ones that I I thought were palatable for the kids, but also something to learn from it. I mean, you could teach you could teach a whole you could probably teach a whole semester just on Animal Farm, like with all the literary devices and things in, in that book. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Moby Dick. I think they were reading at the high school, and uh, you know, oh, it's just God. like ugh. Dreadful. And um, the other one was, um, oh, they taught The Giver. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not a huge dystopian fan or utopian. I have enough problems living in this world the way it is now. Like, I can't I can't go out there to those other dystopian. So I don't know. The kids didn't really seem to like that one. I didn't teach it. Um, I don't know if that's considered a classic or not. Farewell to Arms. I remember that one, too. Farewell to Arms, oh. Old Man in the Sea. Hemingway. Oh, my God. You know, Hemingway just, just, uh... this is how I always felt about those things. I I much would much rather teach short stories to introduce the kids mm-hmm. to that type of writing. Because, first of all, I mean, some of those books, oh, my God, they're so boring. And they, you know, so like you're saying, you're going to make you're going to make a 
bunch of high school or junior high kids read farewell to arms like you have to take yeah. away their belts and shoelaces like it's terrible but but give them a short story and then they can kind of get a flavor for you know Hemingway and you know but I think too often in education, what one of the things I notice is they were just so unwilling to give it up and say, you know what, that, that's not good. Like, it's not interesting. Like, we're just going to replace it. They, it's like, oh, it's a classic. We have to teach it. No, you don't. Yep. No, you don't. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, I, some of my, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I read that in school. Yes, we did that catch, one too. The yeah. Catcher in the Rye. I um, like that one too. And um, also, what is the other one? Lord of the Flies. Now, see that one. I that one I, I would see into because I'm not. A, I'm not a big. Is that is that considered sci-fi or is that dystopian? I don't think it's I either. No, no, yeah. It's what I would happen if you grade. lost a bunch of kids on an island. I mean, no offense. It's kind of shown to us what happens when these kind mm. of things happen. But like, I found those yeah. interesting. But I like was not necessarily a huge fan of being forced to read Shakespeare. You know, I didn't mind Shakespeare as much for some reason, Shakespeare didn't bother me. And I, I read great expectations and I was eh about it until I saw the uh, Ethan Hawke, Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Then I liked the book more after watching the movie and the movie, bringing it into the like modern day. Yeah. Then I could relate the book more when they did that. And my English teacher did that. He was like, read the book. And then he brought the movie in. And once yes. we did that, I was like, oh, this is Havisham. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, well, didn't the book um, was better. So didn't Leo DiCaprio and what's her name do that for Romeo and Juliet too? Kind of like revived it. Wasn't there modern day Romeo and Juliet. And yeah, not the Franco Zeffirelli one. I mean, years ago, it was yeah. Franco Zeffirelli, like Olivia de Havilland as Juliet. Like, oh, they, right. we watched I mean, that one. That we was, watched that. But, then, but I think you're so right, Danielle, when you really can bring it into, because really what you're trying to teach them is the literary devices and how to analyze, like, you don't need to read 17 Shakespeare plays, you know, it, whatever you're trying to do there, you don't, you don't need to, it's over. Well, that, okay. And they don't teach you um, the words, like what it meant. Right. Like a lot of people, I've heard people and students and stuff quote, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo, right? And no I think that he's asking where he is. And I'm like, that's not what that means. <laughs> that's, that's not what that yeah. means. <laughs> like everybody said, bro, oh, Romeo and Juliet. No, like this is three days and six people died. This is not a good story, right? <laughs> no. And, and they're really young. And they're very young. Yeah. And you just have to go, okay, what are we actually trying to get people to understand here? And it's not, it's not that if you're 14 and your heart is broken, you should kill yourself. Like that, this is not what, this is not what we want kids to learn. Yeah. yeah. So, and you, you should know. do a, a, a suicide that doesn't go well. Yeah, exactly. Suicide okay, you should have a suicide pact with your, yeah, no, no. That really was just miscommunication. Let's just yeah. get that okay. clear. Right. You know. so, Danielle, so now, they, now they can text. Now they'd be able to text and be like, hey, it's okay now. You know, they couldn't do yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it took the horses like days to get there. So, yeah. There is that. Okay, Danielle, um, you get a question, then I'll ask the final one. Uh, if there is one literary world that you could visit for a day, where would you go? A literary world. Yeah, like any place, fantasy, or one of the books you've read that you could just go and visit for a day, where would you go? Okay. Did you guys read One Italian Summer? No, I did not. That was a big one last year. And it's set in Positano, like on the Amalfi Coast. 
Um, and I'm not sure this is what you're not you're not asking. Me, oh, you're asking me to a world, not necessarily just a setting. Yeah, you know, no. just wherever. Yeah, just wherever. Well, then yeah. I think I have to I think I have to. Um, I got to go Shakespeare because that's the one thing that I love so much about Shakespeare is I think I would love to go. Well, no, scratch that. Sorry. Great Gatsby. I think in the Roaring Twenties, I think I would have loved to live in that era. I think the, you know, the clothes, the partying, just the very, um, you know, just kind of the loose sort of outlook, the, the sort of the way people approached life uh, in that mm-hmm. era. Just have a good time. Yeah, have a good time. I mean, I, I would, cool. I kind of would love to go back to Shakespearean times just to see what it was like, like to get through the day, like not bathing mm-hmm. and things like that really fascinate me. But I think, sir, but I think if I had to choose one, I would go. Roaring 20s. I would definitely go. Yeah, Gatsby. Definitely. Okay. I think that I could, I think I would love those dresses. Little dresses. The fringes and everything. Fringes. Yeah. And those shoes that always look like you're getting ready to break into a tap dance. I really think I could have lived in that era. They were comfortable. They yeah. were. Well, the beads, I have to say, I have three 20s dresses because I've had friends that have done 20s weddings and 20s parties. And you you answered the question. I was going to ask you why you have three 20s dresses, but okay. Okay. Well, there are many answers I could give to these questions. <laughs> if I open that closet right there behind me, it is full of cosplay, very Ooh. much like the closet to the left of my friend Danielle there. Um, we have many things that people would go, why do you have that? Why do you have um, that? But the sitting on the beads, depending on the dress, can be kind of not a pleasant experience. That's true. Good point. That's true. Yeah. You hear them breaking. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Okay. So my question for you is this. If you could meet and have lunch with any author, living or dead, who would it be? Hmm. Living or dead. Well, they'd be alive when you were having lunch with them. Yeah, because that somebody... would be boring. Yeah. If they were yeah. dead at the lunch, that wouldn't be that probably wouldn't be. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, this might surprise you. Um, see, it's hard to pick just one. So I'm going to pick one of my favorites who I still read, and that would be Ann Tyler. Okay. I love her. I absolutely love her. I love the way, I love the way she studies, how she just, her writing to me is such a study in human nature. She just nails exactly what you're thinking when you meet someone and talk to them, but somehow she manages to convey it. She just has that very, um, just that, that it's amusing, but it's so intuitive and it's so descriptive. And I just love, I just love the way she writes her characters and I would love, and, and she's written so many books and she does it in every single one of them and in fact often when I'm writing I've I've, I'll pull out a book of hers and I'll just open it somewhere in the middle or wherever and I just read a little bit of her writing because it's almost like it grounds me um I just love I just love her very cool there you go okay shameless self-promotion time let's talk about your book where to get it and your where to find you on social media 
I happen to have a copy of it right here, A Week of Warm Weather. Here it is, my debut novel, my baby. Anywhere books are sold online, uh, Amazon, Walmart, Book, Barnes & Noble, support your indie bookstores. Um, but I am also on, um, on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I have a wonderful website that my daughter, my very talented daughter made for me, LeeBukowski.com. Uh, has all the buying options, everything you can read about the book, you can read about me, you can read about my publishing journey and articles I've written and blog posts I've written and um, all events if I happen to have any in your area or if you'd like to have me virtually visit your book club, LeeBukowski.com is where you can read all about me and my book and I certainly hope you'll check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on here with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I am so glad. I'm so glad. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, our literary briefs edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the fantastic Danielle Orsino. Don't forget to like and subscribe because we love to hear your feedback. Yes, absolutely. Our guest has been Lee Bukowski, and we will see you guys next time. Yay!